And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tystein. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Much like myself in high school, college, and even now, the Bills really wanted to cram in everything they had to do on Sunday night before Monday morning kicked in. <laughs> that, that how, is, how long have you been sitting on that one? Just for the last like 10 minutes? It was for the last about 30 seconds as I just <laughs> sat here and it, as, a, as the lo-fi beats are playing before we go live. And I just, yeah, it kind of yeah. came to me. Yeah, cramming on a Sunday night. That's my way to describe how the Bills play today. But I also, I'm doing very, very well. Hope you're doing well as well. I am. A uh, crazy week. I and mean, we've got a lot of stuff to dig into not a week that lends well to our tidy little boxes that we like to have. So we're going to try to figure out the best ways to tackle a very strange week in the NFL. Let's start with the game that we just watched, or at least the last part of the game that we just watched. The Bills escape what would be a pretty brutal loss to Tyrod Taylor and the corpse of the New York Giants offense that we've watched for a good majority of the year. Any concern about Buffalo after a game like this? Or is just one of those weird game, weird night, not something to really take moving forward? I think it was a weird game, weird night. Also a little bit of Josh playing to his chaotic self in a bad way. And then kind of just channeling that energy to to better uses. Much like a kid with maybe some a hyperactivity when they're young. And just channel it. Just channel it a little bit, but I, I'm not too concerned. I think it was a funky night game. Uh, you know, credit to the Giants. I mean, they yeah. they were hanging in it the, the whole game, but uh, yeah, not on my bingo card that Tyrod Taylor would throw for more yards than Josh Allen in, in this type of game. That was that was not what was something I would expected going into this night. Um, so yeah, but I, I think honestly, I'm not too worried about the Bills. But I actually feel a little bit better about the defense. But hopefully, you feel better about the defense going against this Giants offense right now. It's kind of disheartening that Tyrod Taylor did as much or more with this Giants offense than Daniel Jones has over the first few weeks of the season. I mean, that's not yeah. a good sign. And the, the Bills, though, I mean, you're one potential pass interference on again that final play after getting one to set up the final play of the game from losing this game to the Giants so just something to monitor but this was a strange week all the way around because the two teams at the top of the standings in the NFL both lost we have no more undefeated teams in the NFL this season after both the Niners and the Eagles go down today and that is where we're going to start let's dig into Cleveland beating this Niners team With P.J. Walker playing quarterback, Mm -hmm. a really, really impressive performance from the Browns defense. There's really no way around it. Whether taking all those things into account even, a really, really impressive showing from Cleveland in that defense today. Yeah, especially in the second half and especially when Christian McCaffrey went out and it was a Browns defense taking it to a 49ers offense that often dictates so many games. The, the, The 49ers only had one successful play 
in the entire second half until that last drive, the little two-minute drive to go for the the winning field goal at the end of the game. They had 16 dropbacks in the second half. Here are the gains on those dropbacks. I had to list these all <laughs> off. It's amazing. Zero. Interception, negative 10, which was a sack. One, zero, 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 zero. 10 yards on a second and 21. Zero, zero, zero. And then we get into the two-minute drill. But the 49ers' average distance to go today was third down. On third down was 11.1 yards. It, it, I mean, this Browns defense is ridiculous. All I, What is it? Four of the best six defensive performances. I saw a couple people tweet this today. Um, uh, this year so far for, from the Browns defense, like they're just doing this against everybody. Now going against a 49ers team. Yes. That had some injuries, especially to McCaffrey, but they were playing Everyone very has well injuries. throughout this game. The Browns are playing everybody. with their backup quarterback. The Browns are playing yep. without two of their starting offensive linemen. Everyone's banged up at this point. I mean, that's yep. just how it works when you get this that's deep it. into oh. the season. So I understand those guys were hurt, but a lot of people have injuries and the performance that the Browns defense put together still absolutely ridiculous. The number that jumped out to me because I was looking at it from, the perspective of when have we seen this from this Niners team because they've been so good over the last yeah. couple of years so they they were today successful on 35.4% of their offensive plays that is the worst single game success rate that the Niners have had since the second game of the 2017 season oh it's the first year which is back when <laughs> Brian Hoyer was playing quarterback in the first year of the Kyle had experience yeah the, they, the the like spunky like yeah good for them 49ers of 2017 it was their the first time the yeah their worst offensive success rate since then it was only the second game they've been low, but they've been below 36 percent since 2017 that's how good the Browns were today and that's we ridiculous. could talk about any player on the Browns defense because what is most impressive to me with this Browns defense right now is that the stars we know, you know, we know Denzel Ward who had his moments today. We know Miles Garrett, the two guys who I just kept noticing today when I was watching the game, one Mo Hurst, yeah, the juice that Mo season. Hurst is playing with on that defensive line. And then you get deeper and deeper into the depth on that defensive line. Every single one of those guys plays with the same sort of energy and the same sort of juice, which reminds me of how the Niners play. Which is very funny. It's that sort of feeling when you watch this team. And another guy who I thought jumped out today had a couple of really nice plays was Rodney McLeod. And if you look at the Niners game or the Browns game plan in this game, they used their big nickel package with McLeod, Delpit, and Thornhill on 27 plays together in this game. They had done it on 54 plays all season until this game. So clearly their plan against this Niners team was we're going to play those three safeties on the field at the same time. We're going to play a bunch of man coverage because we don't think you can dictate matchups to us when we have that group out there. And that combined with the way they played up front was a really good formula against the Niners today. Yeah. And how they, especially when CMC went out and they're leaning into man coverage, they had answers to the other stuff that manipulates defenses. How the 49ers are so good at doing, especially in the past game. And, the Browns are in man coverage, and there's several looks where they're just rushing five. They're getting those five to get home, and they're going to have a lot of advantages against this 49ers offensive line that has been better, but they don't, you know, it's not a bunch of all stars. And the Browns defense, they have guys across the board. This was, there's so many times where several guys were winning, and that's why you didn't see some of those, you know, Brock Purdy step up and out, extend the plays a little bit because so many guys were winning across the board, and that's because they're rushing five. But I thought, how those Browns safeties played and how their rules were really good against the 49ers motions and pre-snap. Mm -hmm. A lot of those uh, jet motions were at the snap of the ball. 
you'll see a lot, uh, a lot of defenses, especially the intermediate defenses, bump across. The, like you know, they look like almost kind of like um, the oh my god, what's those called? The metronome things. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, like clicking balls. The, the balls. Yeah, they just go back across. across. Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead, the Browns, I saw this a couple times, was they had their safeties bump, so they kept it at depth. And they were saying, okay, we'll let you rally to that. We'll rally down to make those tackles. And I thought that was really interesting that they were, they had a different answer, which is what Jim Schwartz is so good at doing. He's one of these defensive coordinators that's really good at tweaking their game plans just a little bit, depending on the opponent. And yeah, they just, they got really, really good defensive front. And honestly, though, is if the 49ers just make a couple field goals, uh, they are still pulling off this game. And that's why it's really tough to beat this 49ers team is that you have to have a perfect game script to just stay in this game because you have to have but you have to have a front that can get after him you have to be able to only rush for and get after him and hold your own against the run but also against the pass and that's what they did they're just doing it against every team that they're going against this year and even if they don't get a couple calls on that final drive to go down there and score they probably don't win this game i mean that's kind of a phantom pi call on tayshawn gibson which is worth throwing out there there were calls on both sides i mean the niners got 25 combined penalties oh yeah i tweeted about the refs i just said in cleveland it wasn't for either side it was was an ugly game it was yeah. an ugly game from the referees, period, but they needed yeah. a couple calls to go their way in order to win this game. Yep. My main takeaway from this is that the Browns' defense is good enough, if they stay healthy, to keep them in any game that they play. Yep. If As long as they have most of those guys on the field, they have the depth, they have the personnel flexibility, and they have the talent top to bottom and the way that they're being deployed, which I'm Schwartz there, I think they are put together to keep them in any single game they play. Because it's not like the Browns offense did a ton today. I do actually like the game plan and some of the things that they did. They ran the same pin pull run to the left like three different times in the second half. Clearly, they're like, this is working for us. As long as we get them upfield, we can get the ball on the perimeter, we can get like seven yards. And then they had a couple couple different gash runs on that kind of double trap where they let guys get upfield. And that so gap scheme runs screens which they had screens. a couple call back so in this screens. game yeah. uh, they were going to screen them to death that was always oh, yeah. going to be the game plan with cleveland playing against this niners team they did that get the ball on the perimeter a couple traps and that was enough with two big amari cooper catches one yep. nails throw from pj walker on fourth down to whose name i can't even remember it was number 18 the oh, slot receiver they drafted last year in the third round oh <laughs> um, one catch bell? today yes bell yes bell David Bell. I was thinking Ronnie Bell, but Ronnie Bell's on the Niners. So that was it. That was all that you needed on the offense because of how well the defense played. So I just think that if they can get their quarterback back healthy at some point here in the next couple weeks and they get their offensive line, you know, Joe Batonio comes back. The defense is good enough where they are going to be hanging around in so many of these games because of the level that that group can play at. It's a flag carrying unit. They yeah. are, they're just going to every game, they're just going to lead the way. They're going to dictate so many games because now every single offense that goes against them has to account for this defense. It's not where they go, Hey, we can go, we can go fist for fist with these guys. It's like, no, we have to account for Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. And now, Oh, now they got these five man rush looks and now they're running funky coverages on top of it. And then that affects your offense no matter what. And then, you know, you have to play a team game. So that's always taken into account. It reminds me that, uh, they did like a psychological study about Tiger Woods always had a one stroke advantage on everybody just psychologically. And like they actually like studied it that he already had that. That's what going against an elite unit's like. And that's kind of what this Browns defense is. You got you're down a stroke before the game even starts. Any big picture thoughts about the Niners offense coming out of this game? I don't think it was some 
they were moving the ball fine in the first half. It was yeah, uh, and it, even it, yeah, e- even in the second half. I don't think it was some indictment of Brock Purdy playing against a good team. Ayuk had a couple tough moments, balls that he normally brings in that would have been big plays in this game that he dropped. It wasn't the best game from Purdy. Obviously, the pick was bad. You know, the the pick was a notably bad throw, a notably bad moment. But I think if they get a little bit healthier, they're playing against a team that's not the Browns. I'm not concerned. I don't think this is some sort of unearthing of what Brock no. Purdy really is. I just think this is playing against yeah. the best defense in football, most likely in a rain game with a couple of yeah. your guys hurt. I don't think he was bad down the stretch. I think he was the reason it they was. lost this game. Well, it's also, it's like, there's no formula. It's like, Oh, what's the formula you're going to take? Well, can you have the Browns defensive yeah. players and Jim yeah. Schwartz dialing it up? That's the formula. So unless you have that type of front and we saw a defense last week who has a, a a scary front in their own right when the the Cowboys get absolutely shredded by this offense. So that even is tough. So you have to have every dial turn. You have to have luck. You have that Ayuk drop a deep touchdown. You have to have missed field goals. You have to have Purdy missing a couple throws. Like again, you have to have such a positive game script to to even just be hanging with this team. It still gets some bounces to go, but do not want to take anything away from this Browns defense because they are legit, very, very legit. One of the better defenses we've watched since we've started the show. It's been fantastic. Oh, yeah, there, there's so. no doubt. And it's just the ways yeah. that they can play. The fact that they can dictate to you all the time. Your whole you- personnel comment is, is so right. Now that they can change up who they're playing against, and they have different answers. That's so important. Let's get to another team that played f- phenomenal on defense, especially in the second half today, and that is the New York Jets, who knocked off the Eagles 20-14, to handing the Eagles their first loss of the season. A little bit of a different sort of script, a little bit of a different sort of way this game unfolded. The Eagles just absolutely devastated by turnovers in this game. They lost 18 yeah. points off of EPA on turnovers in this game. By the way, the Browns lost 13 and still won. So yeah. that has only happened Another. five times this season. So that's how good the Browns' defense played, is that their <laughs> offense lost almost two touchdowns worth of turnovers, and they still won the yeah. game. But the Eagles lost 18 that's a, points. That's worth a game of script that. after your own heart as a Bears fan. It's oh, like, my God. <laughs> I, I, it's just a life I'm so used to. But the Eagles, it was to, to a point where they couldn't overcome yeah. it. It didn't matter yeah. if the Jets' offense was struggling in stretches. The Eagles' offense turned the ball over four times. That's what Jalen Hurts said after the game. If you turn the ball over four times in an NFL game, you expect to lose, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. It's at like it's. Uh, I can't remember what the percentages. It's ninety something percent. It's ridiculous. You you. It's so hard. And the run game for the Eagles today was a little mortal. But it was, it was ten so carries like, for eighteen yards for DeAndre Swift in this game. Yeah, they had thirty five percent running back success rate, which is ten percent lower uh, than their average since to, the start of twenty twenty one. Kind of this new fangled kind of Eagles offense that we see now. Uh, but yeah, the Jets defense gave them more than it can handle, and you just can't have turnovers. I mean, one of the first one was totally fluky. You know, Dallas Goddard just kind of just. It's a great play by Jermaine Johnson, though. I want to give him credit because (laughs) that I Jermaine Johnson made a really nice play on that ball. I mean, he they ran like a funky pressure look, so he drops back into coverage. He finds Dallas Goddard and puts himself in a position to make that play. So a fluky play, but again, one where kind of opportunity meets luck in that very specific moment. And again, that's another thing. There's like better teams and better players are near the ball. Yeah. So they are, can take advantage of those plays. Uh, but the second, second interception was he, he just hurts all day today. It felt like that he was just taking that extra half second to con- confirm and throw. And I get it. You're going against a really good defense. I would do that too. Uh, but in the second inter- interception, it felt like he could have gotten rid of that maybe a half second earlier. That let Jermaine Johnson again get home. He kind of yep. like had an like extended pass rush. So that kind of. Gets the ball on his arm. But then the third one, I thought it was a like 
great job by the Jets defense kind of fooling Hertz and Hertz predetermining something. And it kind of was a great synopsis of what the Jets were kind of doing in the second half. Which I, I, is, I totally agree with you. It's so it, funny. I, I, I'm excited for you to say this. It's it, okay. So they're showing a blitz on it. Yep. And a lot of what hurt how Hertz reads the game, even if you're watching the Colts right now with Steichen, is that it's all it's based on single high, two high reads. So if you're showing blitz, what safety am I reading? Is this single high? Is this too high? And the Jets show blitz. They come bail out of it. I think it's either spot drop cover three or inverted cover two. I wasn't sure for which one, but they play out basically the same. Either way, Hertz is anticipating to get rid of the ball. He thinks it's a blitz. So he's kind of backpedaling. He's not really stepping into the throw. He's anticipating heat coming and pressure and guys getting pushed back into him. But he actually has a pocket and he should be progressing outside. But I get it. It's third down. You think you're getting heated up with cover zero. I totally get why his clock was sped up. But they squeeze Goddard on it and get the pick. But again, I think it's because Hertz predetermined it because he's there's no safety to read. He's like, all right, I'm blitz. I'm getting blitz. I don't know if it's cover three. I don't know if it's cover two. I don't know if it's man. I'm throwing to this spot. And the Jets made a great play on it. But it was, yeah, I thought that was a great defensive look for a team that's out with all their corners. And they they baited him into that interception in a huge moment. So that was a really nice play by them. Multiple times in the second half, they showed those pressure looks and then bounced back into his own coverage. Yeah. There was a third and six with 848 left. There was the mesh play where Hertz held on to it and eventually, I think, either took a sack or there was, I think, yeah, it was a sack. Bryce Huff got the sack to finish off that play and they're in yeah. a pressure look. They bail out of it. The Jets play a lot of man on third down. They play like 30% cover one on third down. And I think with cover zero included, it's like 35 to 37%. I would be very curious going back and looking at the numbers because they're not available right after the game ends, what percentage of man coverage they played on third down today. Because multiple different times in the third and fourth quarter, they showed those looks, bailed back into zone coverage, and Hertz just had trouble reading it out. So the game plan I thought was very smart with your corners out where you're at a talent disadvantage on the outside, and then the talent advantage they did have was up front. After Lane Johnson went out, it was, it was ball game. Damn broke. <laughs> it, it, Bryce Huff going against Jeff Dris- Matt Driscoll, whatever his name is. Driscoll. Jake Driscoll. Whatever. Jack, it is. Matt Dr- I think it's Matt Driscoll. <laughs> Number 63. Whatever whatever his first name is. Bryce Huff, that's a consistent advantage. And then Huff had his moments against Malata today as well. I mean, Bryce Huff was uh, fantastic throughout this entire game. So good. And you had some moments for other guys too. I mean, Quentin Johnson had, again, there was a backup right guard in there for the Eagles. So that was the the matchups that they could consistently take advantage of was the right side of the offensive line. And they did enough to eventually give them a chance to win that game. Huff had nine pressures on 28 rush snaps, which is, he has the highest pressure rate in the league. He he was a monster today. Uh, But you could feel it when Lane Johnson went out. Hertz kept bailing out to the right because the, the pocket was getting collapsed. So he bails out to the right and he's made plays on that early in the game. He had the nice holding off the defender as he throws it to AJ Brown play, which is a nice hero ball play. But 11 of his pass attempts came up from outside the pocket today, which is the most since October 3rd, 2021. He had 10 last week and his passer rating on throws outside the pocket this year, just straight up passer rating is 49.3. He has a 30% success rate on those throws, averaging point yards per attempt on throws outside the pocket this year so if you get him outside the pocket that's what it was today it was do you hold on to do you, can you contain that big play which they did and it's a race to that i mean hertz was holding on to the ball they have no explosive plays and that's how you could survive against this team so 
it was just really good defensive play from the Jets all day today, and they took advantage of all the chances they had, and they got an awesome front. And my guy Quincy Williams delivered about four spears in the second half, which is always just a boom for me. I love, I love the fist pump celebration. I love the like exaggerated fist yes. pump that he's got going on some of those yes. plays. The second level of their defense was awesome in this game. So good. I mean, just flying around the entire game, and with the injuries yep. that they had on the back end. It, they really carried them, that and a couple of those guys up front. And my guy, Tony Adams, a couple big plays in this game. Another guy that's yes. you know, oh, one mean, of the, the unsung kind of heroes. He had the pick to the kind pick of finish it off. He had, a, yep. he had a TFL at one point in the second half, just flying downhill. So, so our oh, Jets breakout players. <laughs> our Jets breakout players really doing some stuff today. So yes. very, very impressive performance. It was. Any sort of long-term concern about the Eagles? That This, this is been happening more often than not with their passing game so i am getting a little concerned they they had four explosive plays today and I, at first i was like oh that's got to be their lowest it was their second lowest since sirianni took over their lowest was in week one against the patriots and that's kind of just been a thing with their pass game it just feels disjointed a lot of the big plays are broken pocket plays or aj brown catching a six yarder and turning it into a 60 yarder and you know that's not I was gonna say it's not sustainable, but with AJ Brown, it is sustainable. So it's kind of that's kind of talking about both sides of my mouth. But I do feel it's very disjointed. I felt like last week was their best game as far as throwing the ball, but it has not been consistent. They've been running the ball fine throughout the, I mean, very well actually throughout the year. But I do think this passing game has just not found its groove yet. Um, I just don't think they've found that formula that works for them in 2023. And uh, we, we went under the hood with it a couple of weeks ago and still feels like it's a little bit off. Oh, we're getting pressure. We're not running the screens that we did before. Maybe some of the RPOs aren't there. feels a lot more down the field passing game, and it's just not getting read out really, really well or really consistently right now. And I don't want to make it seem like, oh, the Eagles had a couple of backup offensive linemen in there. That's why the Jets won this game. The Jets have a bunch of off- backup offensive linemen in there, too. And they yeah. still managed to come out with the win, and they still managed to do enough on offense. Garrett Wilson, man, is something else. Even with the Twitchy. state of the Jets' offense, where it's uneven to say the least, he is still capable of making two, three ridiculous plays that give them a chance. And Brees Hall is the same sort of deal. Brees Hall, I mean, just those, those two yeah. guys. I mean, it's that's kind of the formula right now. Is we have these two ridiculous second-year skill players that are making yeah. maybe going to give us four or five moments a game while our defense carries us and. It's not an ideal formula. It's not no. what the formula was supposed to be coming into the no. year, but there are worse ways to try to win an NFL game. It, like I just made that joke about Bears, you being used to these types of game scripts as a Bears fan. I mean, this was the Rex Ryan Jets all the way. <laughs> just ride the defense and ri- hopefully you get four or five explosive plays and you're good to go. Uh, uh, but the, no, the Jets offensive line though, even though they're you know banged up, like they had some like good run plays today like they're just straight up running duo down the eagles throat i was it was shocked. i can't remember who it was i think it was titman and mcgovern on one of those really nice Brees hall runs where yep. they're just getting tons of movement and i was like man Tittman. okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so I you, know, got, you got some pieces and max mitchell yeah. was back at right tackle and you know yeah. he had you know obviously that that wasn't the plan going into the season but he had some moments as a rookie so the whole goal was can we find five guys and yep. even with AVT out and some of the injuries that they've had to endure, if they can just get five workable players up there and combine it with the way that they're playing defense, the hope is that they just kind of hang around in some of these hang games. Around. And that's exactly what happened today. They've got enough I, talent on defense where it's not like the Browns where I don't think it matters who they're playing against. That's the right. best defense in football, in my opinion. They're going to keep them in the game. But the Jets are definitely only half a step down from that in terms of 
how competitive they're going to be mm-hmm. because of the players they have on that side of the ball. Totally agree. It's it's a worthy defense. It's been it's been fun to watch them kind of compete these last couple of weeks. Uh, also, shout out uh, Eagle side though. Shout out to Milton Williams, the defensive tackle for them. He's played some good football this season for them. Kind of a I don't know. I, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised. I keep seeing him making plays, and I'm like, oh okay, that that's I think it's 98, and it's not 98. <laughs> so I, I yeah, making some good plays there. Uh, good job, Milton Williams. I just want to give him a shout out, so it's not all negative for the Eagles. <laughs> we'll look at the long term prognosis for Lane Johnson. It sounds like a high ankle sprain potentially, which is definitely not good news. Not He's played through some bullshit in the past it's hard to keep him off the field at this stage he was on the field for most of the season last year even if he wasn't 100 it would be a pretty devastating loss we saw the impact that has not every team is going to have bryce huff and not every team is going to have the jets front but he is an incredibly valuable piece to the way the eagles Mm -hmm. operate because hertz likes to stand in there like we we know that and so giving him that sort of time and giving him that sort of protection is pretty important to the way the eagles want to operate in the passing game so definitely something to keep an eye on. And the Eagles have a pretty ridiculous schedule move coming yeah. up here. They've got Miami at Washington, then Dallas, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle is their stretch here. So we're going to find out a lot at, about at this. KC and at Seattle. Good thing those places are known to be very easy to play at, too. Like That's, that's, that's tough. It's going to be a tough stretch for the Eagles. We're going to find yeah. out a lot about this team. The NFC is a fist fight. AFC is a fist fight. Every, everything's a fist fight. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Every week, obviously, the Sunday NFL schedule is just a wall of stuff coming at you. We like to pick out a few performances that kind of made us sit up in our chairs and take notice. No real shocking outcomes here. I think the two that we would have said were probably the Browns defense and the Eagles defense, which we started the show with. But I want to start with just the contenders taking care of business. You know, a lot of teams today, 
the Bills almost <laughs> screwed this up <laughs> in terms God, of a day-long <laughs> thing. But just a lot of teams that are right up there at the top of the league mm-hmm. and teams we talked about on Thursday as we kind of did our league-wide reset looking at the hierarchy of the NFL, the top 10 teams in the league, a lot of them just doing what they needed to do today. And let's start with the Lions beating the Bucks 20-6. to you know, not the best performance from the Lions offense in terms of like points and outcome, but I just think on both sides of the ball, another performance that showed us who this Lions team is really, really good on defense. I think the Bucks had the second worst success rate of any team in the league today on offense. And you could feel that. I mean, the Lions defense was that good. And I yep. thought the Lions offense, even if they weren't as efficient on first and second down as they typically are, they were fantastic on third down today. 9 of 16, they still have the third best EPA per drive of any team in the NFL this week, and some on-the-nails throws and plays from Jared Goff and that offense in some pretty high-leverage moments. So even if it wasn't the cleanest game, you play on the road against a wonky defense that's played really well this year, and you come away with a two-score win, you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, wonky defense is right. That that Bucks defense is never easy just because they <laughs> doubles just makes it so weird. But yeah, third down. This is where Bed Johnson and this coaching staff are just so great. Red zone, third down, shot plays. The designer plays every single week that you change week to week. You know, most part change week to week. They do such a great job. The those nine for those nine gains on third down, they had gains of 12, 27, 20, 28, 11, 12, 45, and 12. Like they it wasn't just, just getting past the sticks. It was like chunk. Chunk down. I mean, God. And when it was just did. past the six, it was a third and eleven where they got yeah, that back right. with Khalif Raymond. So I mean, it's even when it was, it was because they were facing third and extra long. Yeah, and the James Jameson Williams touchdown was awesome. Um, it was third and ten, and it was just a flood concept. And th- so the difference between flood and sale, sale <laughs> is a deep corner, a flat, and a go. So there's two outbreakers. Flood is three outbreakers. So you have a deep corner by Jameson Williams. You have kind of like a medium corner by Amon Ross St. Brown. And then I, I, I can't remember who the third corner was, but I think Josh Reynolds had the, uh, the flat route. So there's three outbreakers on here. But it was really cool because knowing you're going against Todd Bowles, the Lions went on the cheetah count, which is as soon as the center grabs the ball, he snaps it. We make sure everyone's set. And then he snaps it. So there's no ready go. There's no set hot. There's no step. And against a blitz-happy team like the Bucks, you can kind of catch them kind of just wandering as they got the play call out. And they're getting getting all set. Okay, you guys are in three by one. And you can even see – I looked at the dots on this as well – is at the snap of the ball, all the dots are just kind of like – you can see they're like angled the wrong way. Like the 54 is like looking the wrong way and then turns over. So the ball snapped. Deep, deep corner, Jameson Williams. He's on Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal's a safety. He's on the opposite side of the field. But because this is a blitz look, it's Todd Bowles. It's like, that's the funky look. And now you get Jameson Williams on a safety. So I just love that. Uh, again, it's a little design tweak. It's nothing crazy. We're just going to snap the ball really quick. <laughs> and we're going to put a lot of heat at the deep corner. But because of those little design wrinkles, it unlocks a giant touchdown on a third and 10, which should be advantageous for the defense. So, But that's what this team does every week. doesn't matter what they're getting presented. They have great design stuff and they have good, tough players. You have Craig Reynolds coming in with a hot tag. Blown up, blown up. One of the coolest plays of the entire game. Just coming out of absolutely nowhere, nowhere. cleaning a guy out. And that was a third and long. It was a third and 13 that they score a touchdown on because Craig Reynolds make that sort of play. And that, I think that honestly speaks to what it is like to watch this Lions team right now. Think about how many, how many times they got their hands on the ball 
on defense today. How many yep. tip balls? The Isaiah Bugs tip on the interception. There was the third down where they're trying to throw like a quick now screen. I think it was to Godwin that they get a hand on. They're just the effort really shows up. And when you combine that with the level of talent that they have, and like you talk about some of those design tweaks that we're consistently seeing from them in high leverage moments, they're just a really good football team. And again, it's not the bucks aren't a contender. The bucks aren't one of the best teams in the league, but to go on the road and win this sort of game in convincing fashion, that's what you want to see. If you're going to talk about the lions as a team that is going to be there until the end. You can't sleepwalk, sleepwalk against the Bucks. Like they're gonna, they'll knock you out. They'll like yeah. if, you, if you're not ready for them. And yeah, it was a, it was a great performance by Lance. I, the team's got great vibes right now. I enjoy, I just enjoy watching them. I do just too. Both sides, both sides of the ball. It's just, just a very, very fun to watch. And golf's playing good ball right now too. So yeah, really fun watching the Lions right now. I'll be curious and again, and they're legit good. <laughs> like what, what were they fourth in our little power rankings show that we did last week? I mean, yeah, I feel really good about that. Yeah, they, they're playing and- really good football. Again, the numbers are occasionally wonky, wonky in true media right after the game ends, some yep. of the, the player tracking stuff. I'll be curious when those kind of normalize over the next 24 hours or so what the blitz rate was and where mm. it ranks compared to some of the other games the Lions have played. This is the most I can remember a team trying to heat them up. And, yeah. you know, Jared Goff has struggled in those moments yep. at times during his career. So them them being able to be as efficient as they were offensively and hit as many of those big plays and high leverage moments as they did, I think is kind of notable considering the style of play on the other side of the ball. Agreed. Yeah, this is a team that could catch them in the past. And yeah, no, I totally agree. They had good answers for it. The Dolphins take care of business against the Panthers. Not a ton to say about this other than the Dolphins took care of business against the Panthers, and yeah. they do three things a game that I don't think I've ever seen before in an NFL game, and today was no exception. They did They did a, a legit single wing play. I've been saying flex bone. We're going for a different one. We're going single wing. Uh, yeah, they did one of those. They got new motions. The uh, Mostert's first touchdown, I believe it oh, was. It was, go- it was gorgeous. Yeah, that's that's been the, one of the flavors of the flavors of the year. It's the four strong with a a blocker out front of the swing route. And actually, I saw I saw that play maybe six times today, and good and bad capacities. Geno Smith threw a pick on it. Uh, I saw that touchdown, the Mosert. I think I saw the uh, on Thursday night a team ran it in the red zone, I believe. Uh, but yeah, they, they, everyone's running that play right now. But yeah, they have just so much speed. As soon as one guy, it, it's just Tyreek Hill has spin around. I feel like he was one inch from the ground as he was like spinning and then he comes out of it full speed and he gains like another 10, 15 yards. So it's just, you make one mistake against the team. They just pop. They're down 14, nothing. And they start with back to back three and outs and you would never have known. It never even know. It just doesn't even matter. doesn't matter. They can score in an instant over and over. With Justin Jefferson out and even with Justin Jefferson playing. I watch a game like today, and it's hard for me not to think that Tyree Kill is the most impactful non-quarterback in the league right now, based on so what him he McCa- is for that him offense. And McCaffrey. Yeah, McCa- yeah, I think McCaffrey is another good one. And you saw with that offense, you saw them yeah. struggle without McCaffrey. But right. what Tyree Kill is for that offense, play in and play out, and just what his presence allows them to do today was a real reminder of that. I mean, he went out for a little bit, but Mm -hmm. every single time he's on the field, he allows that offense to be what it wants to be. And it's terrifying. The, 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 his touchdown today was exact same Randy Moss formula that Randy Moss would score touchdowns on. It was the, (laughs) the Panthers are in cover two to stop Tyreek Hill going deep. The safety hesitates for one second and looks inside and it's a touchdown. It's just a go ball straight run, go run by everybody. Touchdown. 
but that's what they do. You make one mistake, you peek inside for a half second too long. And it's not just a big play, it's a touchdown. But that's that's what this team is doing, which is just over and over, week in, week out. Again, every wrinkle that they add is so much fun, too. And the run game is so much better this year, and it's so much oh, yeah. more dynamic this year. And them being able to have that layer to the offense on top of what they can do in terms of creating explosive plays through the air, it's just a real beast to have to deal with right now. And today was another example of it. Keep going to here, ticking these down. The Jags just take care of business against the Colts, just a turnover fest for Indianapolis. I mean, the Jags weren't even that great on offense today and still managed to put them away pretty easily because of what their defense was doing. And it's fun to watch the defense for Jacksonville kind of smell blood in the water a little bit in those moments Mm -hmm. and play like that sort of unit. They've been really good all year. And I think today, again, even when they weren't playing very well on offense, they carried them and made it a, kind of a cakewalk against the Colts team that had been really good offensively, no matter who was playing quarterback over the first five weeks. Yeah, this this Jags offense now has had moments where they've been efficient, they've been explosive, they've been both, they've been frustrating in both capacities, but the defense has been the most consistent part of this team. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of glad uh, Andre Sisco had a pick today because he kind of like has been the epitome of this defense where he's just stepping up and ascending. And I mean, a lot of these guys, but Josh Allen has been fantastic this year. He had another good day putting pressure on and they're, they're forcing mistakes. They took advantage of the mistakes. They did enough on offense and yeah, they had some frustrating times, but they also do some fantastic things like And Trevor just makes a couple throws that you're just like, Oh my God. And I said to you guys in the pre-show, he's just like his rookie year. It's like, it's the most exciting 180 yards that you'll ever watch. It's like it's the best. I don't know, man. It's I've watched 300 yard games, 400 yard games that don't don't compare to some of his 190 yard games. But no red zone woes today. But they were a little iffy on third down, which is what some of the frustrations probably came from. And at least one of the sacks came on ETN and protection as opposed to the offensive line, which you know it's going to get tested. But yeah, this defense though is has been very legit. And it's good to see them kind of maybe getting home a little bit with some pressures. It's just nice to see them win in different ways. I mean, that that's yeah. the benefit of when you have two units on either side of the ball that can carry you depending Absolutely. on how the game goes and just depending on how things bounce. And that's the mark of a good team. That's the mark of a team that's going to be relevant deep into the season. And I think that's what they're starting to feel like. Even if the offense can be a little bit frustrating at times, what they're doing on both sides of the ball, it's like, okay. Like this team yeah. is four and two. This team is four and two with three very nice wins in a row against competitive teams. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to roll a little bit. And we see we'll see them against the Saints on Thursday night this week. But yeah, you see, fun one. I mean, those games where, okay, the offense isn't fantastic, but the defense does so much that it just doesn't matter. That's what you like to see. That's what good teams can do. Yes. We we talk about ability to pivot, maybe just on an offense, but ability to pivot that you win in different ways with your team. It's a team sport, whether it's special teams, offense or defense, that's what you need. Again, not every team can just lean on like, you know, the Chiefs even had to find ability to pivot in different ways. And this team or this year's Chiefs team is having a defense, having some good games too. I also just want to talk about one design thing was the ETN touchdown was sweet. And actually... I think they copied it from your Chicago Bears last Thursday. And it was it was a Justin Fields run, and they had Travis Etienne doing a wildcat on this one. But basically, it's blocked like an end around, so like a reverse blocking. But they do it out of a quarterback run look, which I think is interesting. I'm curious more teams will, will lean into that. It's not new, but I've now have seen two teams copy it in a week. So maybe maybe that gets proliferated, especially when a touchdown gets scored on it. It's really pretty. Might be a wind the clock candidate. Oh, I like that. All right. Yeah. 
Last one here, the Ravens knock off the Titans. An- another very frustrating day from Baltimore and what they did in the red zone. But again, they do enough on defense. You know, they managed to hold off a Titans team that in other situations, maybe with those red zone woes, that game goes differently. But still nice to see them kind of take care of business, even if it was a little bit more frustrating than you want to see. Yep. It felt like a Titans-Ravens game, just with more vowels because it was in the U.K., um, Lamar was on fire to start the game, but it was just, yeah, it was the red zone stuff. And I actually do want to kind of clap back at some people that are like, man, they're running the ball too much in the red zone. It's, it was Lamar scrambled yeah. and it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- those, those are dropbacks guys. <laughs> like those are called passes. So, um, I saw, and there's a couple plays, there's a couple run plays that the Ravens were trying. They're trying like a, a toss pin pull to the outside and both times they ran in the red zone one guy stumbled or missed a block and it would have been just a walk-in touchdown. And instead it's like a one yard gain. That's that could be very frustrating. By the way, feel I've, I've been feeling anecdotally that a lot of teams are struggling in the red zone early in the year. So I decided to look it up. This is the lowest touchdown rate in the red zone throughout the NFL since 2012 through six weeks as of before entering Monday night football. You so, think that's noisy or you think that's the product of something? A little noise. I think it's just early season frustrations and figuring things out. But I do think some, you know, like a couple of years ago, it was over 60%. You know, it doesn't just drop that much. I do think some defenses have gotten really good at what the new offensive answers have been. Some of the QB run game stuff. Some, I mean, how many frustrating sprint outs have there been so far this season in the, in the low red zone? And I do think defenses have gotten better at passing stuff off, not getting caught in man coverage. They just have found answers. We saw a spike in like 2020. And I think, again, you, Defenses find answers for what the offense try to do. They adapt, they adapt, they adapt. Now we're going to hit the nader and it'll bounce right back up. And I'm sure maybe throughout the season, they'll find new answers. There's a little noise, but there's is some defensive answers being happening right now throughout the league. I also think the idea of they're throwing the ball so efficiently. Why would they run when they get into the red zone? More passing equals good. The game changes. Yes, when, you, when, you, when you get into the red zone, the, your ability to throw the ball between the 20s doesn't necessarily indicate how well you'll throw the ball when the field starts Correct. to compress. It's, it's, it's considered a whole different section on the call sheet and it's how offenses and defenses look at their teams. The red zone is a totally different area. Yeah, but again, the, the Ravens, you look at success rate, everything else today. I mean, their offense was fine for a good chunk of this game. You have one bad pick. I thought the choice at the end of the half was interesting. Well, if you want, we could talk about really quickly. They got the ball back with 147 left. Okay. They're up 15 to three. They're on the minus 17. They run the ball twice and tick off about a minute of time and then start to try to drive down the field. And I understand you have, again, it's 147. You're up by 12. There, if you just try to go to the half and you run the ball in the first couple of those plays, you're almost ensuring that the Titans will not get another possession. But you're also limiting what you can do with your possession. You've yeah. been moving the ball so efficiently so far in the first half, you have time to try to score a touchdown there. They had all three timeouts left. Yes. Yeah. And so I can understand trying to limit the downside risk by how you approach that possession, but they're getting the ball at half. And so yeah. you're one pick away, one bad play away, one bad bounce away from this suddenly becoming a game if you don't come away from that possession with points. Like that's a real possession and just mm-hmm. conceding it to them. And eventually they did end up getting three because of a muffed punt, but that yeah. <laughs> that wasn't how they tried to approach it. So I get both sides, but when you're rolling on offense like they were, I just think you can put the game away there. If you're up 12 yeah. and you go to the half up 19, I just treat that like a real possession in my mind. 
Yeah, I understand how they started it because it was like a one year. I'm just looking at the play by play because it was the one year loss. This was 7:30 West Coast time, so you guys got to <laughs> forgive me for not remembering all of it. Um, yeah, one yard loss, get tick 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 tick. Okay, ten yard gain on second eleven, and then third and one, you get the first. And I'm surprised they don't bang the timeout there. That they basically lost about ten seconds ish there, and that's interesting to me. Like you know, you get that first first down, then it's like okay, okay. Reset, but it looks like they're trying to hurry up and do all that. So that is interesting because that is not as aggressive as I feel like they could be. And also, you know, you're going against the Titans a little bit, you know. So like, how are the Titans built? You know, you know, no, you know, I mean, offensively, like, so you know, you're not worried. I don't know. I feel like you could just be the aggressor there. So that's I'm my thought. You. It's like, what's yeah. the worst thing that can happen? It, okay, you run run the ball on first down, so you make sure you don't go three and out there. Okay. Yeah. That, that's fine. You know, you, you took some time off there, but what's the worst case outcome if you run the ball on first down, tick down 20 seconds? You're giving it back to them with maybe a minute left after you punt. Your defense is playing fantastic. Like maybe you're a little bit concerned about them going two for one at the end of the half and then getting the mm-hmm. ball back. But I just think there are so few possessions in an NFL game. And to kind of concede one like that when your offense was rolling the way that theirs was it's just a little bit surprising to me. So yeah. I get both sides of it, but I just wouldn't have handled it that way. You have Tens a quarterback one who's for playing nine. really one well, for nine on third down. and there's a Jeez. 147 left with three timeouts. So I just think that you can be a little bit more aggressive in that specific situation, but they come away with the like win. It. So that's what matters. One more here. Bengals defense. You have my attention. Really yeah. rough second half for the Bengals offense did not move the ball nearly as well as they did in the first half. And it did not matter because of what the defense did, especially down in the red zone today. Seahawks, I believe, had five possessions with goal-to-go opportunities in this game. One touchdown, one field goal, two turnovers on downs, one interception. If you look at the overall numbers, like the Seahawks did move the ball fairly efficiently between the 20s and getting down there. But in this game, those moments and those stops down in that area of the field were enough to win. And now you have a Bengals team that is three and 3-3 at the bye after everything that they went through. And you have to be feeling pretty good if you're Cincinnati after this game today. If you told Bengals fans at the beginning of the year, you'd be happy to be three and three. They'd be, they would just be, what? Are you kidding? What happened? The Bengals had 13 QB hits today. They had 24 pressures. Like yep. they were getting after, after Gino. And of course, the Seahawks are going to invite some of that. They go empty a lot. They like to push the ball a lot. Um, but yeah, this was a Lou Anarumo special. Like you see third down a red zone. Again, this is situational stuff. Just like we're talking about the offense, it's defense too. There was a third and five throwaway from Gino late in the game. And the Bengals were like in a two man slash robber, like hybrid look. <laughs> and it was basically why that's funky. Just to kind of give you like a little short version is they sh- show to one side, a two man look, which means these defenders are playing with inside leverage. So I'm going to throw outbreakers against that. But on the other side, they ran one high look and they had the safety hanging over with outside leverage. So, and you could see Gino go, what the hell? And I, <laughs> it would have gotten me too. And they got him a couple times with that. They moved, they were doing some zone stuff. They're switching guys right at the snap of the ball. A lot of good post snap movement. And then, you know, they attacked Phil Haynes, uh, uh, who's at left guard, number 60 for the Seahawks. He had a long day today. Sam Hubbard had a nice day today, and I actually thought Gino played fairly well, maybe step up once or twice in the pocket. But this defense, though, was just – he was pushing the right buttons. Just a third down, those red zone, knew when to bring cover zero, knew when not to. Knew, and these guys were passing stuff off really well. So, 
Yeah, they just stepped up right at the right exact time when they needed to. Why this is encouraging is that when they were losing, the defense just wasn't playing very well. And if this yeah. is going to be a relevant team in the AFC, obviously the offense and Burrow and they need to look right and they need to look like the team that we expected them to be. But this defense was supposed to be an above average unit coming into the year and they had had their struggles so far this season. So for them to be the one that kind of carried the day for the Bengals to win a game against a pretty damn good Seahawks team, I think that's yep. notable because I think it's a moment that this group needed if this Bengals team is going to be the team that people thought they might be. Absolutely. We, we thought of them as a complete team. We, we said maybe the Bengals some weeks aren't a top 10 defense, but they can hang with every offense because of what they do situationally and what they do on game plans. So this was, this felt like that vintage, vintage being the last two years, uh, Bengals defense and Lou Anarumo defense, but it really did. It just really felt like they were turning the right dials at the right exact time, which, which is what you love to see. Even they brought a cover zero. Sorry. I, I I'm just littering this podcast with scheme stuff today but it was some good stuff um they they ran a cover zero and it was a six-man protection beater like literally there's no answer the offense could have uh against this look against this blitz they brought but again the defense has to time it up perfectly because they can get caught if emotion happens or certain things happen so again just turn the right dials pressing the right buttons at the right exact time another guy who had some nice moments today you mentioned hubbard cam sample we're just digging into yeah. some of the depth for the Bengals. He had a sack. He had another pressure and a big-time play. So guys stepping up and then Mike Hilton coming up with a couple big-time oh, yeah. plays in this game. So a nice nice things to see from the Bengals' defense after yeah. some early season struggles. And again, they hit the bye feeling much better than they might have when you look back to the way the first couple weeks of the season went. Yeah, they're going to enjoy it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze.
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Each week we like to pick out a performance or two that, again, we're not mad at it. We're just disappointed. And today, that is what is going on in the NFC South. Does anyone want to win the NFC South? Both the Saints not. and the Falcons just giving games away today and just did. Nothing that you want to see, especially down the stretch in the second half from these teams. Where, where do you want to start? You want to start with how disappointing the Falcons were in the high leverage moments or the Saints offense yeah. not being able to muster 20 I'll do, points? I'll do the Falcons one real quick because there's a weird, like a lot of great drives happening for the Falcons today. And then just the terrible interceptions, the the second one that happened in the end zone, but that was a, a domino effect of mismanagement happening that kind of led to that like it really was a cause and effect moment happening near the this happens sometimes with substitutions and even thinking like other sports like hockey like near the goal line and near the red zone it's hard to substitute teams can't go past the 30 you know in the the coach's box and everything and the players can't so it's further to run when you have to sub or do personnel stuff and even sometimes the headset can get funky for whatever reason not just in foxborough and on that second interception, there they got a delay a game on the play before. It was third and goal from like the one or two yard line. Yeah, and they got a delay a game because they subbed late, and then they gave a long person a uh, long play call, and because they're doing all the shifting and motioning. So it was, it was a classic moment of the Falcons becoming their own worst enemy. Like their kind of cuteness, and I love I love these fun designs. But this was a moment where it was like, just be simple, just be simple, just be simple, just be simple, because everything you could see everybody melting down. And Dalm in the center is trying to make a protection change. And so they get a delay game. Then the next play, the same thing's happening. Tick, tick, tick. And so Ritter's like, like, I'm not getting yelled at for this. So he snaps the ball and it just comes unraveled. And it's a classic quarterback case of making a bad play worse. You, you just, it, the play's unraveled. It's chuck it. You guys are going for it on fourth down. Yeah, it sucks that you have to waste a play, but you can't just be doing that and throwing it up there. It's just too valuable. So that it's just one of those where it's just a, you know, bad situation there. And then the defense actually played pretty damn well. They just got stuck with two shortish fields. But uh, yeah, those backbreaking mistakes, you just can't have them, especially if you're moving the ball. And they didn't run the ball that well. The The commander's defense played really well that way, but they passed the ball okay. Again, two weeks in a row. So fourth and goal, he throws the ball up to St. Juice. It gets picked off, right? It's not ideal after that delay of game, but you can understand how it happens on fourth down. End of the game, slant to Bijan gets intercepted by Jamin Davis. Bijan doesn't take that back flat to the quarterback. And it's just one of those moments where it's like, ah, I can understand how that happens. I need you to explain to me how the pick at the beginning of the second half happens and what is going on in that moment and where he's trying to go with the ball. This is what this podcast is becoming. I have to be the Desmond Ritter play-by-play guy. So the interception happened. I think it was a stick concept, I think, like third and seven. It, 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 I, thought, I think it was. And yeah. so it was, there was, like a, it was a bunch to the left. Bijan, Bijan takes it 
vertical. I it just I it, I couldn't understand where he was throwing the ball. And listening to it, Matt Ryan didn't understand where he was throwing the ball either. either. He didn't know who That's he why was I throwing had no notes it to. on it because it was so, just like I don't so know. So you just it think it's just a, a miscommunication. You think it's just a miscommunication. I I know. I think you know when you're targeting Van Jefferson, who's been there for six days or whatever yeah. it is, that maybe maybe a little miscommunication happened there. Um, I thought the the Bijan one, the third one, I actually. They were kind of like telegraphing it. They motioned him out to one, mm-hmm. and the linebacker falls. And I, I swore they were going to do a sluggo there, like a slant go, like kind of like a leaning into punch moment. Sure. And then they ran to slant, and I was like, yeah, you know, you're going to trust Bijan there, but he kind of fades on the route. But I don't know what the, the first pick I think was a miscommunication. That's kind of what I chalk it up to, but that's kind of what their day was. Miscommunications on third down and near the goal line. <laughs> that's not, not how you want to live. Uh, they can't live that way. And they had a wheel to Bijan that should have been a big play. He just missed it. It was just another one of those games where it's just like little bits of frustration and the, really big their bad second key play, turnovers. Their second play, they had a uh, double pass and and uh, it gets it's like off the fin- receiver's fingertips. Then they have like a deep ball to Van Jefferson off the fingertips. It's like again, but this is how this offense has to play. They can't have mistakes. They're not Mahomes or Josh Allen that can just you know we just watch the Bills mess around. For three for three yeah. quarters, and then Josh Allen's like, "All right, you know, oh, let's get this loose." Like that's not how the Falcons are built. So in this mucky NFC, there's going to be a lot of this game, these types of games. Some teams that we think are good sometimes, and some teams we think we're bad. They're just going to go up and down, up and down this whole year. Thankfully for them, no yes. team is taking running away with this division. The Saints also lose today in a very frustrating outing against the Texans, where they keep stalling out consistently as they get. Not really even into the red zone, but like anytime they move the ball past the Houston 35 yard line, it, it felt like all hell was going to break loose, especially up front. And that was the most yeah. frustrating thing watching the Saints today is that they really are struggling to block people. I mean, Trevor Penning again had some really awful moments in this game and he wasn't alone. So I, I just don't really know what to make of the Saints offense, how hurt Derek Carr is. They had some. Yeah kind of confusing moments where like there's a fourth and four late in the game throws the ball five yards short of the sticks to Alvin Kamara who gets stopped short there was a third and long at one point in the first half he throws it to Taysom Hill Taysom Hill had like 10 targets in this game I just don't really know what to make of what the Saints are on offense right now that's that's kind of all I had in my notes was I don't know what to make of this offense I know what the defense is I actually feel pretty good about the defense but this Derek Carr throws for 353 yards and they score 13 points. Like that just feels off. Yeah. And that's how this whole offense always feels the, the, every week. Like, okay, it's like the run game gets going. But then like our beginning, uh, Rashid Shaheed, like they had the great post route touchdown to him. And it's like, oh, there it is. There's some juice with this offense. Yeah. And they just can't put it home. They have mistakes in, the, in, in clutch moments or bad moments that they shouldn't be having mistakes. So yeah, just very frustrating. Fade balls to end the game. And it's like, what are you guys doing? But yeah, the fourth and four one, the fourth quarter was really disappointing. Seven point, seven point game and throws it shorter behind the line of scrimmage than they have to go to get the first down. So yeah, that, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I just – this division, I knew it was going to be like this where yeah, it was going to be tight most likely, but yeah. I, I just didn't expect – I thought I thought the Saints offense with Derek Carr would be 
kind of less frustrating than it's been in years past. And it doesn't seem to be the case. And again, I think it's because they're playing worse up front than we might have anticipated. Yeah. Like this is just no longer a strength for this team anymore is what their offensive right. line looks like. And right. I didn't expect the Falcons to be the sort of team that shot themselves in the foot as often as they have so far this it's, season. So even if we knew this was going to be a tight race, it's not exactly <laughs> yeah. what I expected the <laughs> NFC South race to look like. Falcons getting carried by their defense, you know, and and they're moving the ball by chucking it left and right. It's like, what is this? What is going on right now? And uh, yeah, this is, yeah, this Saints team, I think that's what it is. I think for my entire adult life, they've had a strong offensive line or some somewhat near one. And so it's kind of weird to see this team kind of just be so up and down. And yeah, Penning's, Penning's a big issue. They have some injuries, of course. They're moving guys all around. And yeah, Derek Carr doesn't do well with pressure. So it's not a great formula for long term, but this is kind of what they have. CJ Stroud. Pass catchers, though. God, a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, he's he's such a good player. And Shahid Shahid has so much juice. Uh, Again, I mean, the idea that. He's a better real receiver than I gave him credit for. Shahid? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's He's one of those guys. Every single time I'm watching him, I'm like, oh, man. He he just really jumps off the screen when you watch him play. And there are times, the touchdown even today, I I thought it was like, oh, it's a love. And then I see, I see I the two and I was like, Oh man, like they have a couple of these guys. And I think that's why I want more out of it. Same. Because when you watch some of these offenses that consistently struggle, it's just because they don't have that gear. And yeah. the Saints absolutely have that gear to them. And so to watch them be so inconsistent and have those stretches where they're just torpedoing themselves yep. after they get not even again not into the red zone but they're moving the ball really well between the 20s and yeah. then they get down there and it's just like oh man like you have a tripping penalty you have a holding penalty you take yeah. a sack and, and that's just what is consistently happening again because they are at a disadvantage up front against a Texans front that's fine but yeah. Jonathan Greener doing what he did to Trevor Penning today is not what you want to see if you're a Saints team that's trying to compete that's exactly it but yeah it's just I, I totally with you that that I I look at them and I see some plays and past concepts the Saints do. They're all the classics, so it's not like where I'm like, oh, that's bad scheme. And but I'm watching it, and I'm just like, yeah, this. Oh yeah, I love it. Oh, Michael Thomas is catching a now route, like you know, like prime, like early like 2008 Saints. Like this is great. And then yeah, it's just disjointed at the at the end. And again, I like the defense, but then they're going against like Stroud. And Stroud has a couple good moments, and it's just yeah, they just are. One step behind, they feel like, or at least they felt like today, like where they just couldn't put everything together. Stroud a sweet third down corner throw on Nico Collins, by the way. That was freaking awesome. Flat-footed. Flat-footed. That's watching him make those throws from a tight, from a phone booth where he doesn't even need to step up in the pocket is beautiful. And this is going to be a very strange observation, but watching his head move playing the position is beautiful. Like watching him progress, he's just yeah. so quick in how he plays the position. It's just like I'm one to two, I'm three, I'm one to two, I'm three. There was I can't remember which throw it was, but it was one it was a it was an over route, I believe, to Nico Collins. Yeah. And he look he looks at Another it, type he looks at the flat, looks back at the over, and just hits it. And just how quickly he's operating and playing the position six games into his career, combined with some of the ball placement. It is a joy to watch. Like that he's, guy is going to be so good. He's tidy. Everything's tidy with that's, him. That's very. Just, that's very good. Yes, very that's tidy. a very good Not word. Very efficient mover thrower. The ball zips off his hand. I, I've never seen a spiral wobble with him. Everything's just a perfect spiral every single time. He's he's great, man. He's like uh, we we say it every week. I got I got 
going to the thesaurus to look up new words, new synonyms for it because it's like he's just a pleasure to watch. I just like watching that offense and I like watching him play quarterback because it's teaching tape. It's a lot of fun watching him play quarterback. It really is. There's just something very aesthetically pleasing about their play action game. It's just it looks so clean. His footwork is so nice. He plays on time. He plays in rhythm. And this is a Saints defense that, you know, wasn't the best performance from the Texans offense today. But having the handful of moments that they did against this Saints group is pretty impressive at this stage of the proceedings for a Texans offense that's still finding itself, still a little bit banged up, all those things. His interception, though, was him. Like, it's one of those where he's too smart for his own good. So it was it was Hank, which is curl flats, but they just dressed it up in a different way. And uh, it's, it gets covered, too. And he just assumed. He's like, no way the hook defender is going to be there. He's going to push to the flat. I'm good. So he just throws it. And I get that. And that's why it goes right. Whenever you see one of those, it's like, you didn't see him. It's like, you're assuming. You're assuming yeah. that that asshole is not going to be there. So that's why I'm going to throw it. But it was one of those where it's like, I appreciate he was already like thinking the third step on that or like, I'm already progressing there. No way that guy's going to be there. It's covered too. I'm good. But it's just one of those moments where it's like, I kind of get what happened there, but keep, you know, you can't assume all the time. You got to progress outwards. First interception all year and they get the ball back because because <laughs> Zach Vaughn oh, fumbles right. on that play. Right. So it, that's another. Right. Another promising day for the Texans, another frustrating day for the Saints. So we'll see what the hell happens in that NFC South. We're going to wind this up with the Sunday Notebook. If you guys missed last week's show, this is how we're going to finish out our Sunday night shows. Now, just hit some of the other stuff that we watched today and some of the other stuff that we thought was notable. You wanted to talk about a moment and another game for Max Crosby, who has been having a fantastic season. Yeah, he is. Uh, just playing every snap for the Raiders defense. Doesn't Crazy. matter if, who's coming or going. He's he's out there and he is volume and effectiveness and efficiency. He has 39 pressures overall this year, um, which is, you know, the three guys higher than him in pressure rate because he's fourth in pressure rate are Bryce Huff, mm-hmm. Micah Parsons, and Miles Garrett, which is a fantastic group. Crosby has more tackles than all of them combined. All three of those guys combined. He has more. And he has more, he has the most TFLs run stuffs of that whole group. He is a every down ass kicker. He's, he's playing, he played great last year, obviously, but he is playing amazing football. It's a loaded defensive player of the year race right now. And he's like a worthy candidate. Like he, he's got to be up there for everybody because he is playing such good football. And the Raiders are doing what they do right now. <laughs> like it, it's, it's their own way of winning, but they're in all these games. They're, they're dragging everyone into fist fights and it's working for them. And Max Crosby is kind of like the epitome of what they're doing right now. It's I, I don't enjoy watching them. <laughs> I, so I, I, I just, I just don't enjoy it. The amount of hospital balls that they have thrown cumulatively this year, Devonte Adams gets the shit kicked out of him like four times a game. He went, he goes to the tent every single game yeah, every because day. he takes a massive shot over the middle of the field. I just, they're massacring my boy, like literally and figuratively, they're massacring my boy. And I, I just don't, I didn't know what to make of them coming into the year. Yeah. I still have absolutely no idea what to make of them. And this no game in general was so bizarre because you watch the Patriots play. And it's just depressing. And we had this parade of the ghosts of Patriots quarterbacks past. You're watching Mac Jones, whatever Mac Jones is at this stage. We're watching Jimmy G play until Jimmy G gets hurt. And Mm -hmm. then Brian Hoyer's in the game. 
So watching this decrepit version of the Patriots offense, as you watch all of these former Patriots quarterbacks kind of march on through this game, it was just a very surreal experience. And the Patriots just continue this downward slide. And I don't know when it stops. Their offense at least looked better today. Their offense looked functional today. They ran the ball efficiently. They had some explosive plays. It was watchable in a way that it hasn't been over the last really three or four weeks. And that's because they're not playing the defenses that they were. The Patriots coming into the season had the toughest slate of defensive opponents in the NFL. And you felt that over the first five weeks. So today was a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but it's not enough of an improvement to make you feel good about where this is going. It's the same issues. It's like, okay, line a little bit and not a ton of juice with the pass catchers. And yeah, that's, that's where it feels like with this offense, but you're right. It, It pretty much their best performance at least since week one like because even against the eagles i remember i was like okay they're doing some stuff they got some create they create some yards after catch okay I, you know bill o'brien's baseline he's you know he's the andy dalton tier of play callers but this did feel like a, a lot more real at least where it's not just like a laughing stock and it would be an interesting game to rewatch a little bit because i do want to I, I actually do want to see what the raiders defense is doing uh as far as like coverage wise and everything because i haven't checked them out too much this year but they're I mean, they give the Chargers some issues. Like, so I don't know what they. Yeah, what they're, they're actually doing. doing right they're doing some interesting. They're stuff. doing something. I, I went back and I watched the whole Packer game, and some of the disguises they were using to get diversions of cover two, like really did some stuff to Jordan Love, and it, it's it was out of character for them in that game. It was yeah. kind of a change up that I think they got them with a couple different times. We talked about it on the show with Chase, but they're doing enough. I mean, that they're not a walkover defense in the way that yeah. they might be with the state of their defensive personnel coming into the season, and I think that is at least promising and what that says about Patrick Graham. Also good that the Raiders remembered that they drafted Michael Mayer in the second round and they're like, Oh yeah, got target you. And he's been great the last couple of weeks. And I said, Michael Mayer in October, it's just like his namesake, Michael Myers. <laughs> he's just going to he's rising up in October. It's his month. <laughs> Justin Fields dislocates his thumb reportedly, according to Jay Glazer in a loss to the Vikings today, x-rays were negative MRI coming. I mean, this is, potentially a season altering franchise altering sort of thing. If he misses a huge chunk of time, because the entire case as to why the bears could even be relatively competitive this season is him taking a step forward, him being a dynamic force on offense and that offense becoming a, an above average unit at the very least, no matter what you thought of their ceiling, them being a functional real NFL offense was going to keep them in games that's not going to happen with Tyson Bagent. So if he misses a month and we're looking at week 10 or 11 by the time he comes back and the Bears are a one and nine sort of team, that changes everything about what's going to happen after this. And him being robbed of the chance to show that he is developing and he can become that guy is a tough blow to stomach if you're him and if you're a certain sect of Bears fans. But we're very we're potentially looking at that reality and staring it down if he misses a huge chunk of time this season. It was interesting to see. Um, I want to say the Reds on channel because I have one of the one that one of my screens on it, and I hear it's like, let's see what Tyler Bajan's doing, and if he can lead this Bears team, he's surprising so far. In the throw they show, he's thrown like two yards behind the receiver on a screen, like almost duffed it into the ground. I was like, ah, the, p- the pick he threw, the the pick down the field he threw was just horrific. It was oh, just absolutely oh yeah that was bad yeah no it but this is that this is what even when we went into the season what was like what 
could be success for the Bears is like having an answer, hopefully having a positive answer on the quarterback. And that's the thing is if he's not playing, I mean, it's a dislocated thumb on your throwing hand. That's have you ever, have you guys ever held a ball? Like just like you can't, it's it's not your pinky, you know. You can't get it out of there. Like that is very important to how you're going to throw. So, I mean, a guy that needs as many reps as possible, and it's just like in a team that might be having a lot of draft capital and doesn't really have, you know, has some incentive to use that draft capital. It's the kind of like the cards got dealt <laughs> as in a weird, in the weirdest way after a week, ten days after such a positive performance. You know, and it's just so crazy how that happens. And it's just like, this just does, feels like a huge domino just falling for this franchise right now. And the Panthers continue to lose. So if the yeah. Panthers continue on this trajectory, who knows where they're going to be picking. Thankfully, maybe for Justin Fields' future in Chicago, there are enough bad teams right. to potentially keep them out of the last couple spots. The Patriots the Cardinals I, I are the, doing it the best. The Cardinals are doing it the best way. Frisky oh, I, as hell. I, but... I wasn't even going to mention the Cardinals when yeah. I was talking about these teams. The teams no. I'm thinking of are the Patriots yeah. and the Broncos. Like Those yeah. are the two teams I keep coming back to. I no. still feel like the Broncos could be competent enough in the long run to yeah. be competitive, to steal a couple more wins and get themselves out of there. I don't think they want that. I think they, are, they probably understand that the best outcome for them – Let's fire sale this thing. Let's tear it down to the studs. Let's win three games and put ourselves in a position to have an off-ramp from this Russell Wilson deal. We talked about it. It's mm-hmm. going to be $85 million in dead money over the next couple of years. But if your consolation prize that comes along with that is being able to draft one of these guys up at the top of the draft, then that isn't the worst possible outcome. Nope. And if you're the Patriots, you were supposed to be competitive this year, or that's what everyone was telling you they were going to try to do. If they end up stumbling into that timeline, this is potentially a nice reset moment for them to go get one of those guys. So that's really the only thing keeping the Bears' future from being like crystal clear as to what they yeah. need to do moving forward is that some of these other teams might be bad enough to kind of knock them off their perch. I know that the Patriots and the Broncos are kind of like, life gives you lemons. Just <laughs> make some draft pick lemonade. It's... The the Broncos one is because I I mean the offense still feels like like still feels real yeah. like at least for the most part so that's the thing too and it's defense like there's some pride on you just, exactly. defense they you expect it it's week. so volatile you, they can yeah. just if even if they're like the twenty eighth best defense in the league and not historically bad the offense is right. playing well enough to get them a couple more wins that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> That, that, that's what that's, that's like, what I'm hoping for right that's now. The timeline you're trying to manifest is just them winning a couple of games. But the Patriots one's hilarious because imagine if like Belichick, it's like Mayor Williams to so go off into the sunset. That'd be just kind of just not fair <laughs> to the world. I, I hate that because the idea of one of those guys playing with this set of Patriots weapons, right? I it disgusts me. So I, I don't want to see it for that specific reason. <laughs> you could see, you could see the ball getting to a slow receiver faster. Uh, that that might be it. Oh, I, I'm defending Mac Jones more often than not now these these days. But still, those guys are a different tier than Mac Jones, which is what we do when he got drafted. By the way, <laughs> which is what we always knew about Mac Jones as a prospect. Last thing I wanted to hit here: really fun to see the Rams click into a different version of themselves on offense in the second half of that game. They were not moving the ball consistently in the first half. And they said, you know what? Fuck it. 
and they ran Got it down it. the Cardinals' throats in the second half of that game. 25 carries for 174 yards. In the second half, they averaged 0. .31 EPA per rush. That would be better on a per-play basis than Patrick Mahomes was last year in his MVP season. That's how efficient they were running the ball. And this is encouraging because we've seen the flashes from the passing game, and I think that design-wise, they've done some really cool stuff this year. The Rams' running game was their biggest problem over the last couple seasons. Even when everything else was really clicking, they Mm -hmm. struggled to run the ball. And the fact that they can just kind of pivot to that in a moment like this is really nice to see. So another team that I think that they have enough when you look at the different versions of their offense that can exist to be competitive in what has become this muddy version of the NFC. I freaking love this Rams offense. Might be one of my favorites to watch in the league because the passing game concept game concepts are just awesome. Spread it out and rip it and some classic like play action shot plays. It's vertical. And when you get a defense now, like you, you what defense adjusting to what they're doing in the passing game, the Cardinals were like, okay, let's run cover two. Let's run some soft coverages. So the Rams were like, okay, <laughs> we're just going to pound it. <laughs> 14 successful runs on 24 design run plays in the, in the second half. And this, again, you got to remember, this is no QB run element as part of yeah. this run package. It's a straight old school run game. And like you said, the motion stuff's great. Um, like they're, they can run inside zone. You only can run inside zone against lighter boxes. So cover two or quarters or cover six boxes because of just the number count. And what the, what the Rams were doing, which is kind of funny, is you can compare to what the Rams are doing with what the Falcons do sometimes with this run look, but the Falcons do it with a fullback and the Rams do it with Puka Nakua sprinting in motion and then inserting on the backside on this inside zone run play because they just, it's just how the angles are and everything. But it's funny to watch these two offenses get to the same type of play in different ways. But man, just the passing game's awesome. Stafford's ripping it all over the yard. Cooper Cup's coming back. He looks 100%, which is awesome. They're getting these good run looks. They can take advantage of it. That used to be the thing. Okay, we'll just run too high, and they'll just average two yards of carry to Cam Akers. Cool. That's exactly right. That's, right. Fine. That's now, exactly seven, right. eight yards a pop. It's, it's great stuff right now. And to see them be able to do that, and the defense is so much better than anyone could have anticipated oh, yeah. coming into the year. So just looking at how they're competitive and the ways that they've been able to hang in some of these games is really encouraging sign. I think for just that offensive staff that I think really yeah. struggled to find answers last year, and the fact that they have so many more of them this season is definitely a good sign. So that is all we got. We will be back very often this week. So please come back and check out all the things that are available to you on the athletic football show, including Kiefer and the beats, which will be coming out on Tuesday. Zach Kiefer talking to some of our wonderful beat writers here at the athletic Colton Pouncey, our lions writer. And we coming on to chat about the state of the lions who are playing fantastic right now to Sean Reed, one of our Raiders writers also coming on to the show and Jordan Roderick to talk about those Los Angeles Rams. So please come back and check that out. We will be back all week. For now, that's all we got. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.